Welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one blessed page of Talmud every day. In today's page, we read about blessings and when we make them. The discussion is when are blessings made? They are made, we are told, before we perform a mitzvah, with one exception. And here is a little curious paragraph. Rav Chista said, except for prior to immersion, alone was stated, due to the aforementioned reason. The Gemara adds, that was also taught in a baraita, with regard to one who immersed for ritual purification after an eternal emission, and emerged. As he emerges, he recites, blessed who has made us holy through his mitzvot and commanded us concerning immersion. So as we dive into this question of when precisely to say the mitzvah, when precisely to say the bracha, and what is the nature of brachot, we turn with our hearts full of thanksgiving and our stomachs full of kosher turkey to our friend and our teacher, Rabbi David Bashevkin. Hello, my friend. Liel, what an absolute joy. Welcome. Uh, this is, I think, our second time talking a little bit in tractate Pesachim. It feels like I could take deeper breaths that were out of Erevin right now. I loved Erevin, but but I'm breathing easier right now. You're saying it is nice to have discussions that do not require geometric charts and graphs and calculations. Yeah, I put my compass and ruler away for the next seven years, and we'll, we'll dust it off again for the right. next cycle, but it's nice to be able to put them back in the drawer. And, you know, it happens to be that this is one of the most important subjects in the entire tractate. It's quite important, and that's the notion that we have, as you just mentioned, about making a blessing before you do a ritual mitzvah. And I think there are two really interesting things to pick apart here. One is the rule and the exception. I think the rule is so beautiful because it's a rabbinic idea that is basically saying that even when you have a biblical commandment, even when you have a ritual, whether it's eating matzah, whether it is uh, shaking a lulav, whether it is any sort of these rituals that we do, putting up a mezuzah, there is a blessing that you need to do that aside from the ritual invests a certain level of intention and uh, in, and thoughtfulness into the act itself. We never want to rely on just the rote routine. We want to infuse our routines with some sort of intention. And that's what the beauty of brachos are. And that's why we do it normally before an action. In other words, we stop and think before we do something. We focus on the intention. We sort of close our eyes. We take a deep breath. We prepare to do it properly. Exactly. And we like remind ourselves, like, why are we doing this? And when you say that blessing, Asher Kedeshano B'Mitzvosa V'Tzivanu, I am doing this because I am commanded. I am a recipient of something and I am being sanctified through this action. It allows you to transcend routines, not transcend routines, but infuse and animate routines with a little bit more focus, intention, and preparation. And I'm a big brachas fan. I'll be honest, sometimes the bracha itself can become routine, which is why in certain Hasidic circles, they almost have like a bracha on the bracha. You know, but <laughs> it, it, it can sometimes be brachas the whole way down because then, you know, that also could become routine. It's like the tailgate for the bracha, if you will. 
Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's just another measure to add a certain level of focus to your day when you go through actions in anything I do, just the very action, why am I doing this, that we do before a ritual. Whether it's a mitzvah or not, it's a good practice to infuse in your day. But allow me to add one note about the exception that I find particularly moving as it relates to Pesach itself and the Pesach Seder, the Passover Seder that we do every year. This is the one that Rav Chista brings up in today's page. Yes. Rav Chista notes that there's an exception to this rule, and that's immersion in a mikvah, that transformative experience that converts go through and, and people who are kind of removing whatever level of Tuma impurity that they may have, it's this source of renewal. And because you are unfit to say the blessing beforehand, we allow this one exception where you say it afterwards. And there's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful idea by a 18th century rabbi named Rabbi Moshe Sofer, who's often called the Chassam Sofer, uh, who has this wonderful, wonderful idea as it relates to the Passover Seder. It's a question that you'll probably hear some point, you know, on this podcast and other times. And that is, what's the story with the blessing on the Seder itself? We don't really start the Seder with this big blessing of the actual commandment to retell this story. We don't have that blessing up front right in the beginning as we do before you shake a lulav, before you sit in the sukkah. We have the blessing for that beforehand. The blessing for the for the actual telling over of the story of Pesach is actually buried at the very end, right before we start to eat. We have this special blessing called Asher Ga'alanu that you have redeemed us, that we make right before we drink that wine. At the very, very end of Magid, the very end of the part of the Passover Seder when we retell the whole story. And the question is, why don't we say this blessing like up front, like we do with every other commandment, like this page of Talmud is saying? And the response and the idea that he says, I've always found so deeply moving, and I say it over every year at our Passover Seder, and that is that the Seder itself is an act of transformation, and we ourselves need to embody and really look at ourselves as if we're going through that transformation. And if, in fact, the Seder is an act of transformation where we were once, you know, slaves in Egypt, not yet chosen by God, and God sort of redeems us, then the only appropriate time to say it is once you finish with this experience, because that Passover experience is like the mikvah itself. It's like this exception, that you only become fit to say that blessing once you've emerged from the proverbial mikvah of telling that story and reliving the very redemption that our forefathers went through that the Passover story represents. I love it. So the Passover story is reimagined here as this moment of almost spiritual immersion in a mikvah-like body of purification, and we emerge again after it cleansed. And it's only then that we are now fit, after finishing the retelling of that story, to make that blessing and thanking God for that redemption. Amen to that. Rabbi David Bashevkin, thank you so much. Always an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Liel. 
This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.